The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. Fixing a hole. If I'm wrong, I'm right where I belong. So for me, it's hard to pinpoint the genre of this song. It's really mishy-mashy. That's a scientific term. You got <laughs> birds-ish guitar and harpsichord and Ringo's hitting the hi-hat a lot. I don't know why it bothers me so much. I, I do love the guitar playing. The lyrics are clever. Parts are greater than the sum for me. Yeah, it's kind of a disconcerting listen. Like, I'll give you that. I mean, I guess genre-wise, we could just call it Baroque pop? Hmm? Mm. I, I guess I more fit that in with, like, the harpsichord, you know, as, like, the main instrument of that genre or, like, the, the touchstone. Um, but I also do love the guitar work here, and that's kind of the most interesting part of it for me. Otherwise, the song's just kind of plodding, mm. but, you know... Condemned upon its release for perceived references to heroin injection, but Paul denied that. Uh, he Paul said on November 26, 1967, When I wrote it, I meant if there's a crack on or the room is uncolorful, then I'll paint it. In truth, the song... Take. Yeah. Well, it's the take of the author. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, it's... <laughs> Again, I also always thought it was about shooting junk. In truth, the song, like Got to Get You Into My Life, was another ode to pot. It explored the joys of allowing one's mind to wander and the freedom from being told what to do. Paul McCarty said it was the idea of me being on my own now, able to do what I want. This was after he left the Asher house. If I want, I'll paint the room in a colorful way. I was living now pretty much on my own in Cavendish Avenue. Cavendish. Cavendish Avenue. And enjoying my freedom and my new house and the salonness of it all. It's pretty much my song, as I recall. I like the double meaning of, if I'm wrong, I'm right, where I belong. And he still belongs there because he still owns that house. LSD also played a part in the song's genesis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Paul was the last Beatle to try the drug in 1966. <laughs> and then told everybody about it. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did say to the BBC, "Well, look, uh, if you think that uh, it's, I'm a bad influence on kids, don't air this segment." And they did. <laughs> Obviously, Paul talking in his lyrics book that came out a few years ago. Around that time, when I closed my eyes, instead of there being blackness, there was a little blue hole. It was as if something needed patching. I always had the feeling that if, it, that if I could go up to it and look through, there would be an answer. The fact is that the most important influence here was not even the metaphysical idea of a whole, which I mentioned earlier, but this absolutely physical phenomenon, something that first appeared after I took acid. I will see it occasionally, and I know exactly what it is. I know exactly what size it is. This song is getting deeper and deeper. Yeah. In a 1968 interview, Paul said that the following lines were about fans who hung around outside his home day and night, and whose actions he found off-putting. See the people standing there who disagree and never win, and wonder why they don't get in my door? 
Apple scruffs, as George would later sing about. That's right. According to McCartney, an unusual guest was brought to the session, and this is pretty ironic. Mm. A guy arrived at my front gate, and I said, yes, hello, because I always used to answer it to everyone. If they were boring, I would say, sorry, no, and they generally went away. This guy said, I'm Jesus Christ. I said, whoop, slightly shocked. I said, well, you better come in then. I thought, well, it probably isn't, but if he is, I'm not going to be the one to turn him away. So I gave him a cup of tea, and we just chatted, and I asked, why do you think you are Jesus? There were a lot of casualties about then. We used to get a lot of people who were maybe insecure or going through emotional breakdowns or whatever. So I said, I've got to go to a session, but if you promise to be very quiet and just sit in the corner, you can come. So he did. He came to the session, and he did sit very quietly, and I never saw him after that. I introduced him to the guys. They said, who's this? I said, he's Jesus Christ. We had a bit of a giggle over that. So Jesus chose the Fixing a Hall session out of all the Beal sessions to uh, visit. That's interesting. Well, if he's wrong, he's right. He got through his door. Where did he go? He's risen. The recording of Fixing a Hole began on February 9th, 1967. The Beatles used Regent's Sound Studio in London because Abbey Road was unavailable. It was the first time the group used another studio to record for EMI. I wonder who like blocked their studio time. I would love to know that. Why wasn't it available? <laughs> Why doesn't Jeff Emmerich remember that? On February 21st, back at Abbey Road, the Beatles intended to record a remake of the song, but after one attempt, they decided the results of the earlier session were adequate. Lazy and high, lazy and high. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love count zero. Josie scale. Gonna give this one to Josie. I don't hate it, but, you know. It's not as good as your love, buddy, Outfield. I'm sorry. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, I agree. I'm not the biggest fan of this one, and I'm going to give it a Josie. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the Outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh, yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine.